Very good morning. It's great to be with you all today and welcome. I'd like to add my welcome to everyone who's visiting, everyone who's on the holidays and, and everyone who's just moved to the area recently. It seems like this is a, a real boom place, a boom zone. So welcome. It's great to have you here and I'm sure you'll find a wonderful welcoming home in the midst of God's people here. Well, the television ads that I remember from my uh, childhood and youth um, were ads that were made to move us, made to make us feel something and touch our hearts. And I'm going to show you an ad in a moment uh, that's a bit of a blast from the past, but it's something I find quite moving. what feels like home to you? Where is home to you? And what makes it home? Home might be the people, it might be the place, it might be the the feeling, the knowledge that you are loved, that you're accepted. At this time of year, people tend to do a fair amount of travel, getting around to catch up with family and friends. And I think that ad moves us because reunions can be so sweet. It's like sitting at the airport and seeing people coming together again after a time apart. It's touching to see. Reconnecting with long-lost relatives or friends can be so lovely. There can be a real sense of returning home when we get together with loved ones. So home might be the people. Home might be the place At the end of a holiday, whether it's a long one or a short one, there can be a real sense of homecoming when you reach the place you live, 
Your, your shoulders loosen. Your sense of peace and resolution is strong. Even though you've had a, a great time away doing holiday-type activities, it's always great to come home, to sleep in your own bed, to know where everything is and to feel that the world is somehow right again. So home might be the place. Home might be the feeling or the knowledge that you're loved. There's often a very real sense of coming home when we gather together. And for me, I feel like here with you is home. I love to be with you, my people. I feel home. And I feel that especially here where I'm known, where I'm loved, where everyone loves each other, where there's this wonderful environment where you know God's spirit is alive in our midst. Um, But have you ever noticed if you visit a church um, interstate or overseas or somewhere, sometimes you get that real sense of homecoming even amongst brothers and sisters in Christ who you don't know that well, who you've never met before. Being with our church uh, can feel really like home, whatever language, whatever culture, wherever we are in the world. So home is a combination of these things and more. And uh, this week, I returned after a couple of weeks' leave in South Australia. And after living out of our suitcases and moving around, visiting family and friends, it really felt like time to come home. We had lovely time. We uh, had great reunions with family, with friends, familiar places, great things, some fun things and some challenging things. Uh, But... After a while, we were really looking forward to coming home. And there's that wonderful sense of, I can relax now. I can be myself in my own space without different people in my space all the time. It might be slightly different for you if you're an extrovert or an introvert. uh, But when we come home, we feel like we can really relax, be ourselves. When we're home with our people, in a place we feel safe, there's usually a great sense of being at ease. Well, Psalm 46 begins and centres on and ends with a sense of truly being home. It says three and a half times that God is with us. He is our home. We are home with him. God never leaves us. He is our shield, our fortress, our protector. He gives us the help we need. I like the message paraphrase of this psalm. And it says, God is a safe place to hide. Ready to help when we need him. Jacob wrestling God fights for us. God of angel armies protects us. Being home, you're fought for, you're protected. You have a safe place to hide. So God is our safe place. He is our true home. And our lives begin with the breath of God. They continue under his providence and his protection. And our lives find their completion in God's presence. God is our refuge, our strength, and ever-present help in trouble. So what is there, if anything, that we can or should be afraid of if we're home with him? When I was in school, I was not unusual. I experienced a little bit of bullying. Who doesn't? 
the bigger kids laid into me with insults, with some mean jokes and threats and even some physical violence. Um, and I was quite fearful of some of these guys who were bigger and stronger than me. But I had an older brother. And sure, when I was on my own, I would avoid these bullies. I'd give them a wide berth. I would try to avoid eye contact with them, with them and try to avoid being noticed. But when I was with my bigger brother, well, he was bigger, stronger, older. I wasn't afraid of those bullies anymore. I could look them in the eye. I could walk right past them, confident that they wouldn't hassle me, even if they noticed me. <coughs> my big brother didn't put up with nonsense. And if things got out of hand, he was there to stand up for me. To be with God is, is like being with my big brother. God is our refuge and our strength, an ever-present help in trouble. So nothing can make us truly fearful when we find our home in God. Our only fear is the appropriate reverence, awe and wonder and fear that's due to God. Now, if God is our home, if God is our refuge, then we find our our sense of ease and peace in him, even if there's swirling troubles and stress outside. But God isn't just like a house or a home. He isn't just like uh, a castle for protection. God is living and active. He's a home unlike any other. He is the place for serenity, peace and joy that our hearts really long for. And he's present to attend to our needs, our stresses and desires. And so that's why he invites us to come home to him. It says that God is our strength. And we know that other strengths outside of God fail. Isaiah 40 reminds us that, that kids... You might feel like you've got loads of energy at the moment. And uh, I've heard plenty of older people say, oh, look at those kids, I'd like to bottle that energy. Um, but the young people who seem to bubble over with endless energy, they too tire eventually. They and we and everyone gets to the point where our strength fails. And we need to be replenished to rest. But God is not like people in that way. He is the source of all strength, of all energy. And this comes through in verse 4. The city of God, the place where we will live with God in eternity, is fed by a river that never runs dry. A stream that brings growth, that brings gladness, that sustains. For the original hearers of this psalm, it would have been significant because most great cities have a river for a water supply. But Jerusalem just has a small stream. And that means if Jerusalem's under attack, if it's besieged, then it would be quite easy to conquer by controlling that water supply. But the future Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem in the renewed city of God has a mighty river supplying its needs. And that is God himself. The river flows from God's presence in the temple. God is the source of our life. He is our sustainer. And that's both in the future, in the new creation, and today. 
He's an ever-present help. He's there for us in the good times and when we're in trouble. And this is largely the theme of the psalm, which we see from the repeated refrain, God is with us. God is our refuge, our fortress and strength. So if you don't take anything else from today's message, then take this, God is with you. God is with you. He is your refuge, your strength. He'll never leave you. He provides for you. He protects you in his love. So if the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, if the earth quakes and the volcanoes erupt and the tsunamis come against us, then we can actually be at peace. We can be confident that the living God who is always with us will protect us, provide for us and care for us. The psalmist was thinking that the, the craziest experience in this life, the worst thing imaginable, is actually nothing compared to the greatness of God and his presence with us. I said earlier that this psalm tells us three and a half times that God is with us. It tells us three times in the present and one time in the future. Uh, verse 1, God is an ever-present help. Verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. And verse 11, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So those verses point to God's presence with us today. And verses 4 and 5 assure us of God's delightful, loving presence in the new creation. God dwells in the city of God. God is within the city and the city will never fall. Our experience will be of God's presence being with us now and it will become more and more real, more apparent to us and more evident to us as we move from this life into eternity. But back in the present, the psalm says that natural disasters are nothing compared to the power and love of God, but also the rebellion of people is nothing compared to the power and love of God. Verse 6, the nations are in uproar, the kingdoms war, battle and fall. But the simple sound of God's voice has the power to melt the earth. It's a simple action for God to, to bring about desolation, to make wars cease, to shatter weapons and to bring an end to human rebellion. God could do all of this with a simple word. But in his mercy and his kindness, his forbearance and love, he holds back his power and his judgment. And we see this as Jesus comes for us, as he gives himself for us on the cross, bearing the judgment, the wrath of God on the cross, the judgment that we deserve by uh, the battles and the wars that we bring upon ourselves. And Jesus came and he won that battle, not by the sword in the Garden of Gethsemane, but by wearing that judgment for us, wearing our sin, the sin of the world as his own, and bearing the wrath of God. And so this psalm points out, who is the God that can do all of this? Who is the one who can command the earth and bring an end to war? It's the God who is with us, our fortress and our hope. And the penultimate word in this psalm is from God himself. 
And here is the power of this psalm. The way that we know God to be our refuge and strength, the way to know that he is with us, that he provides for us and fights battles for us, is to listen to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. To be still in this day and age is not common. In years gone past, there would be hours of each day when there weren't light bulbs. Uh, Candles only gave a small amount of light. And there was a very high likelihood that you would spend a good amount of time each day being still. Just you, your thoughts and God. Sometimes preachers might point to great saintly people, uh, let's say Thomas or Mary or Jonathan, and, and say that they used to get up at four or five in the morning and spend the first hour or two of the day in prayer. And that's a, a great challenge to us. That's a great encouragement for us. It's a wonderful thing to do. What the preachers don't usually point out is that when the sun went down at six or seven in the evening there wasn't actually a lot else that they could do than go to bed. And so after eight or nine hours sleep, they'd wake up fully rested and, well, the day wasn't ready to begin yet. So they would not have a lot else to do other than think, ponder or pray. Now, obviously, these people made the wonderful choice, a saintly choice, a a glorious choice to spend significant time in prayer. But the world is somewhat different now. We've got light bulbs. We've got entertainment options, streaming and movies and shows and things on tap any hour of the day or night. And so we don't naturally have those times when it is more quiet, when we're more inclined to pray. Today is probably harder than ever and requires more discipline to be still and to know God. There's not only all of those entertainment-y sort of options, but there's also a whole lot of societal pressure to be busy and productive. And so to be still is quite rare today. But note that the Bible isn't pointing us to be still like some Eastern religion, like meditation in Buddhism, trying to empty your mind, the Bible calls us to be still and know that God is God. To be still and know God. To know that God is God and that I am not. To be still and know that God is God actually helps us to figure out and to know our place. In the universe. In some sense, we are quite small, tiny, insignificant in this universe. Compared to the mountains falling into the sea, the waters roaring and the earth quaking, we are small in the face of those things and in the face of war and desolations. We are small. And yet the God of the universe chose to draw near to us. We celebrated at Christmas. Jesus became Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. 
He chose to be with us, to dignify us, to include us. And he reinforced this truth in Psalm 46 by becoming Jesus, by inviting us to watch as he fought the battle on the cross for us. And now he's won that battle. And the battles that we face today are more a case of raising our hands in surrender to him, giving ourselves over to him, than sort of working our fingers to the bone. It's more a case of being still and knowing God than endlessly exhausting ourselves by being busy and productive and important. And so God says to us today, be still and know that I am God. When we still ourselves in God's presence, we can know his love and provision. When we centre ourselves in God, being still, living in awe of him, then we can be confident whatever we face in the world. If we don't still ourselves before God, then we go out into the world facing the chaos as if we're kind of leaving our big brother at home. But when we still ourselves before God, we grow more aware that he is with us. And he gives us confidence in the truth of this psalm. And God actually is the one who works out the rest of verse 10. He says, be still and know me and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's God's job to bring glory to his name. We do have the privilege of joining him in that job. He is good news for everyone, for all of the earth. He will be known, he will be loved, his name will be lifted high all over the earth. And it's probably more as we stand in awe of him that he will make that happen. So this year, as we continue in God's mission of living to love and proclaim Jesus, we have the full assurance that God is with us through it all. It's his battle he fights for us. It's his new creation he's preparing for us. It's his name that is glorified and he will exalt it. And we have that privilege of joining him. Not because we are an essential component that God cannot do without, but because we find great joy and delight in partnering with the God who loves us. It's a privilege. So in this world where there is chaos and war, where there's natural disasters, how do we live without fear? Well, we look to God who is our home, our shelter and strength. We look to God who is always with us, who is always ready to help. And how do we live in this world of entertainment and distraction, of pressure? Well, we fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the one who truly satisfies, who fulfills us. He's the abundant source of joy that we are looking for. So be still and know that God is God. Rest in God, your home, your refuge and strength. 
He's the one who knows you best and loves you the most. So rest in him. Take refuge in him. And remind yourself daily that being still and knowing him is vital to the life that you want. Let me lead us in prayer. Loving Lord Jesus, you are our home. You are our place of safety and strength. Thank you for including us in your victory on the cross, for dealing with our sin, for dealing with our rebellion. Thank you for your victory, your resurrection, and the promise of our life eternally with you. Help us, Lord, to grow in our awareness of you each day. Grant us the discipline to be still and to know that you are God. Amen.